1: Edition of the Michael Deacon Program. First time listeners out there, pleased to meet you. I am Michael Deacon, a mere figment of your imagination. Please don't be shy, come again. Tonight we will be joined by a veteran, Mr. Andrew Razowitz. He's been here before. There's a lot to discuss here tonight, so we will get down to brass taxes in a moment here. Once again, thank you ladies and gentlemen for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Very good to see all of you out there. I see you in the chat room, yes. Typing away. I'm excited for this one. Let's get down to brass taxes and bring in Andrew. And on the line is Andrew Razowitz. How's it going, my friend? Excellent, Michael. Thank you
0: for having me. How are you? I'm good. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. It's uh, morning time right now where I am here in uh, Melbourne, Australia.
1: Yes, you are the man from down under today. <laughs> That's Always. right. Right. And Andrew, back in the early days, you were actually here on the program many, many moons ago. Yep, that's right. So this isn't exactly your first rodeo here on the program.
0: Oh, no, not at all. I I was looking forward to come back on. It's been a while. It's been too long.
1: How long exactly has it been? Like 2017 or something? I don't know.
0: Wow. Um, I would say it's been a good like two years since probably I... Was on your show? Yeah, I have no idea. Like a year, two years, something like that—a while.
1: Two, three years—I have no idea something the time. Like that. The yeah, time just flies all by. A yeah, it's all blur, just like um the early stages of the pandemic. It's kind of a blur right now.
0: I was going to say, I I know that I was on your program pre-COVID, and that's scary to say, right? We'll go into that reference, but it is what it is.
1: Pre-COVID BC—that's the reference I got. <laughs> that's right. Oh yes. So, Andrew, once again, welcome to the program. Always a honor and pleasure to have you here. And it's been too damn long. We got to do this more often.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, there's, uh, we'll get into it, but there's things I've learned along the way through multiple lockdowns and, you know, this prison planet, prison system, this grid that we're in. Right. And we learn as we go. So.
1: Yeah. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Andrew, because, you know, there, there will be some new people out there that have never heard you before. And right now would be. A great opportunity to sort of break this down with you. You know, this is the time where we we sort of get a better look at you, Andrew. You know, we x-ray you from the insides and we find out what you're really made out of.
0: Sure, excellent. So basically I would break it down like this. Um growing up, uh I was born and raised pretty much in New York. Um growing up, I started watching the television program with my grandmother Unsolved Mysteries. I'm sure some of your listeners have watched that or have heard of it over the years, classic show. Um And when I was around 13, 14, 15, it really started sinking in, you know, that, all right, there's something else going on. Like there's something greater than, than this reality, you know, maybe these spirits, maybe there's something to this about afterlife and ghosts and UFOs. But I would just watch the program and discuss it with my grandmother, Joan, and I said, Graham, so for some reason, it came to me to say this to her. I Just for some reason, I looked at her and said, Graham, said, when you die and you go to the afterlife and you're up in heaven with Grandpa, I said, uh, I want you to make sure that you come through and say hi to me. Like, I want to know you're okay. I don't want to see a feather on the ground. I don't want to see a coin. I don't want to see a fucking rainbow. Right. You know, like, I don't want to see no nonsense. Yeah, I want to know a thousand percent that you're okay. I have to know this. And she looked at me and said... Of course I will. I promise I will. And we never spoke about that again. We just left that alone. That was around 1995, just say. It was around 15, roughly. And I did not think about it again, honestly. It was just like something came out of me. I just felt the need to say that, left it alone. So we fast forward uh, a few years later, around 1999, I'm in the U.S. Coast Guard, and I am on a boat down in the Gulf of Mexico, Caribbean, doing a patrol out in the middle of nowhere. All I see is blue seas everywhere. That's it. Blue seas. That's it. There's nothing going on. I am the night watchman. It's after midnight. I am out on the boat. I'm on top of the boat, which we call that the flying bridge. And below me is the bridge. So like the bridge is where all the officers are, the radar men, and the guy actually driving the boat. So you rotate. So one guy on the flying bridge, he's the lookout man. So you grab regular old school you know, like 1970s regular binoculars, you scan the boat. Then at that point, 1999, we did have night vision. Probably wasn't the best at the time, but it was good enough. Uh, I believe it was probably maybe second generation at that point, maybe. Um, but it was pretty good. You could see things in the sky that you probably couldn't see with the naked eye. So I'm on the flying bridge. I'm on top of the boat. It's after midnight. It's dead silent. You know, the guys that aren't working in the bridge or flying bridge area are down below, sleeping, hanging out, watching movies, whatever you do when you're out at sea. And I'm on the, I'm on the flying bridge. I look with my regular binoculars. I don't see anything. I grab my night vision goggles. I remember looking to my left and I could just see a silver round object. So I see one and I'm thinking, all right, it's a satellite, right? It's got to be explainable because what else could it be? And then I see another one. So they're kind of staggered going in what looks like a formation, but they're pretty close. So from what I had seen previously with satellites, they didn't fly that close together. It just looked odd. So being, you know, a 19-year-old young man, I, I, I don't know. So what do I do? I call down to the bridge and let my officer on duty know. The officer on duty comes up, grabs binoculars. He looks, next thing I know is about 20 people on top of the boat on the flying bridge um someone went down below and woke up the captain so to wake a captain up after midnight in the middle of nowhere um i would say that it's probably for a good reason you know they're not just going to go wake the guy up for nonsense so the captain comes up we're all looking at this object and now we're pa- passing around multiple pairs of binoculars right night night vision um, and now at this point I could start to make out the object with my naked eye. So I'm seeing the two of them now just looking at it. You know, it started to get clearer at first. I could only see it with the night vision. It seemed that far away. So I don't know if the object was getting closer or my vision was getting more refined, but I could just make better sense of what I was seeing now. And I grabbed the binoculars and I'm, I'm looking back and all of a sudden the two objects come together. And they're one. like So they just literally merge together.
2: Ah, okay.
0: And as they merge together, next thing happens, boom, they're gone. They're gone. Wow. So they do not leave a trace from what I saw and what I could tell. They were silent. I could not hear a hum. I don't know the exact distance that they were because the radar man who was down below in the bridge said, I have nothing on the radar. That's impossible. That's impossible. So if something... Is in our area, right? A radar man would be able to pick that up. If I could see it with my eye or my night vision, the radar man's picking it up.
1: Right. So, right. And this was 1996, he, correct?
0: 99,
1: 99. 99. Okay. Sorry.
0: So just to give you a you know, like a landmarker pre 911. So pre 911, I could tell you this. If an object is in the sky or a boat was going by the bow or the stern, the front or the rear of the boat, if a object was passing by or a boat, or say someone was driving a cruise boat and they did not identify themselves to us. The, the, one, one that's illegal. And the second thing we can do. This is in 1999. I don't know about today. The next thing we would do is the gunner's mate would go man the 50 cal and the two 25 cal machine guns we had, and we could shoot them because that's an act of like that's a threat. That's a direct threat to us. Sure. That's basically, like a, you know, it's like an act of war or whatever you want to consider it. Uh, all I knew was basically if you passed our boat. You would have to pick up your radio and say, this is so and so vessel. We're passing by. We're in the area. Yeah. You gotta, you know, let us know what's going on. It's, it's decency because we're patrolling the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean. So you're dealing with Cuba, you know, Fidel Castro. You're dealing with people that are potentially hostile and obviously other weird stuff that's going on that we're not aware of. So this object vanished. We we couldn't identify it. We couldn't obviously make radio contact with it because we weren't even picking it up. There was nothing registering, nothing. So what I could say is if it was a test military experiment, right, which is always possible. I'm not saying that it wasn't. I can't tell you that for sure. What I can say is we couldn't identify it, the crew that was there and we could have shot at the thing. So if they were testing something and we shot at it, now you put in. Several people at risk. At you're, putting risk correct. Seven, yeah. you're putting the 72 sailors on the boat at risk, whatever is on that object, in that object, and then anyone in the area. We misfire or something goes down. So for a test, you know, a te- for a test to be going on at that point, military or black project, maybe it is, but that would be extremely dangerous. It would be
1: pretty risky to be conducting that sort of operation, especially not informing you just even a little bit. A heads up, yeah. at least. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like I said, this is 1999. This is pre 9-11, you know, like things
1: were a lot looser. A di- yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a different world, right? It's a different world. Way different. So yeah. to engage and to shoot at something would not have been that big of a deal. Like it wouldn't have been after 9-11 would have been a lot stricter and things would have been different. But pre 9-11, yeah. we could have, we technically could have shot at them and gotten away with, it. you know what I mean? Like we could have justified, Hey, they didn't identify themselves. We shot them. That's it. Case closed. And, and I'm saying that because we used to catch drug runners smuggling in drugs from Cuba. Um, they would put them on these little boats with giant engines. They would put all these drugs, cocaine, heroin, whatever they had, ice, all this shit. They would load them on these boats. And in the bottom layer of the boats, they would have migrants hidden. Right. And they, they would race them into Miami. And at the time in 1999, there was a dry foot policy in Miami. So I don't know about today, but basically, If they could get to Miami and the migrants in the boat, if they could make it on shore, they were free to stay. Now, it would happen all the time, Michael. We would catch them in the act. So the only way you catch them is if their boat breaks down. Because you ain't catching them on a on a boat with giant twin engines that's flying with drugs on it and guns. You're not going to catch them. No way. So sometimes the boats would break down. And sometimes people would paddle. Literally, they would go in like an old school rowboat from Cuba, and we would find them they were lost because they didn't have a compass and their skin was turned purple from being sunburned. So we would take them on the boat and then we literally would light their boat on fire and watch it burn. That's it. We, that's all we could do. Light them on fire. We'd bring them to America, right? Because we would say, where are you from? Oh, we don't have English. We don't, you know, we don't speak English. We don't have ID, whatever they would say. We'd bring them to the shore in Miami. The police would come, bring them in. They would call Cuba or wherever they claim they were from. And Cuba would say, no. They're not from here. We don't know who they are. And now they get to stay in America.
1: What a life. But yeah, that's how it used to be. I
0: mean, amazing,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it was for a long time. And many people still assume that that's what it's like here uh, today. You could just sort of stay and um, everything's good. But no, you will be transported back. And, you know, early on, it was kind of hard to transport some people back to certain countries. And that's kind of what's happening uh, today right now, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I keep tabs, and then I see what's going on. I, I know that back then it was a little bit of a free-for-all. Right. And and even people that would, you know, if they were going back or staying or whatever, they would be in jail. The cost of keeping them in jail, feeding them, housing them, and they're in jail for what? Trying to get into the country? They're not, you know, a mass murderer or, you know, whatever it is. So they basically figured, well, we might as well just put them out and get them to work, and at least they, they're on the books working or whatever they're doing. So the system was so crazy and I, I, it seems like now they have a little better of a grasp on it. Um, however, getting back to, you know, unidentified yeah. flying objects, right. you know, the, the, after this happened and we saw this, the next day, no one spoke about it. Now, I was never briefed. I was never debriefed. I could tell you this, that we'll get into some future things, but usually when there's a test experiment going on, somehow miraculously the next day, Guys in suits will show up right. either from the army intelligence, air force intelligence, coast guard intelligence, whatever it is. They'll show up. They'll debrief everyone and they'll say they want to know exactly what you saw, what went down. And they'll say, don't ever talk to anyone about this. That never happened. That so, never happened. So right. that is why I share about this because I was never told to shut up or, you know, you'd be in danger or it just happened. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but these events are so common as we see today. You have Navy pilots saying that they would see hundreds of these. Well, I was seeing them in 99. I don't know about what they're seeing today, but I can tell you that me and 20 other witnesses saw it. People always ask me, oh, what about these other witnesses? Will they come forward? Well, I have to tell you, most of them are still in the military. You know, I know I keep in touch with these guys and I would number one, never say their names or anything like that. That's totally unethical if they don't want to go there i respect that all i know is i could talk about it you know i i have no problem sharing what i saw but putting pieces together of what things that have transpired in my life after i believe in my heart that what i saw at the time was the real thing was a like a you know uap ufo unexplainable
1: i agree i agree and uh, thanks for your service by the way. Um. I've had friends in the Navy also make claims about seeing objects in the sky out there. And, you know, there was like a handbook uh, that talked about this sort of thing. This was back in 2003, I would say. And, yeah, I had a friend talk to me about that. Pretty weird stuff.
0: I'll tell you this. My Uncle John, who passed away last year, he got in the Navy around the Vietnam era, did many, many years, and he got out as a – uh, he was a commander. He was a commander in the U.S. Navy, and he worked on submarines his whole career. He was on every submarine you could think of. He he had interacted with it, been on it, and then he got out. This is know, where we
1: were going to go, by the way, naturally. So I'm glad you're telling me this now.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I <don't think laughs> yes. I got into this last time. So there's a lot of stuff that come up as this, you Love know, as time that. goes on, you remember things. And out of respect to him, I didn't, I don't like talk. I didn't want to talk about him while he was still alive. Uh. You know what I mean? He passed away, and now it's appropriate. So we'll get into it. So after he got out of the Navy, he worked in he worked for Lockheed. He worked for Lockheed for many, many years, you know, doing all sorts of projects. I could tell you this. When people talk about, you know, reverse engineering and all that stuff, they would go to work, right, in an environment like that at Lockheed. And they would have 40, just say 40 different coworkers, and they would tell them, don't talk to your coworkers about anything. Well, of course, at lunch, it's human nature. It's bullshit. Hey, what are you working on? What are you doing? So what they would do is they would have people go in and work on projects that did not exist. They had them working on fake projects because they thought or they always knew that, all right, out of the 40 guys we just hired, probably 10 of them are going to talk. Like that's just how it goes. Like they, they had the statistics done. So they would catch people. Either talking to coworkers at work or they go back home and they monitor everyone, of
1: course. Mm, I mean, they
0: have to. It's it's national security at risk.
1: Right. They wanted to see who was going to stooge someone off.
0: So Right. So they would go back, let them see things, right? And they would be convinced, oh, man, this is real. You know, like I'm what I'm working on, this is the real thing. They'd go home. They'd make a phone call. They'd talk to somebody. And then, of course, they'd catch you, right? And what do they do? They arrest you. You're just going to fucking military prison or a federal jail or whatever they did. You're gone. You ain't going on George Knapp talking about it. Yeah. So, so I, when people ask me about Bob Lazar, I could tell you this. My uncle worked for Lockheed. He never told me anything ever. When I asked him, he said, Andrew, all I could tell you is I know what the U.S. military was capable of when I was in the military. I'm not in any longer. So I don't know what they're capable of. That's all I'll leave it at. That's all he said ever to me. He won't talk about anything. So people always ask me, what about Lazar? What about this and that? And I said, well, I asked Dr. Greer. We'll get into that when I met yeah. him uh, about these types of projects and and Lazar and he said, "Yeah, Bob saw what he saw, but it was staged because they knew what he would talk, and he did." I so, said, "Okay, well, that mm-hmm. makes sense. That does kind of make sense with the way these programs run."
1: I was going to quickly add: Do you think Bob Lazar is at all credible, or do you think he has been misled on certain things? It's like a fifty-fifty sort of um so, uh, sort of scenario where he is given. Or he was sort of legit. You know, he was given these certain black, uh, projects to work on. But of course there were, like you said, some projects that weren't exactly legit. Do you think something of that nature happened?
0: This is a great segue. So I experienced what I did in the military. And then I heard of Dr. Greer. And in 2011, uh, I was, I joined the FDNY in 2006. I was a firefighter in Brooklyn. In 2011, I had heard of Dr. Greer claiming that he could proactively Make contact with UFOs, aliens, ETs, you know, higher beings, whatever you want to call them. And I said, I don't believe the guy, but I heard him speak at the National Press Club in 2001 in Washington. And he had all these ex-military guys. So I said, at the very least, I want to go meet this guy and meet the military guys because I might be able to believe them if I talk to them. You know, but I got to meet them in person. So I flew out to the desert in California to Borrego Springs in late October 2011 with about 20 to 30 people I did not know. Uh, the actor Thomas Jane was there. You might know him from The Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he was there. And then Dr. Greer and all these people were there, his people, his team members. So one of the first things I asked Dr. Greer when I met him was, what about Lazar, Bob Lazar? And he said to me that, he goes, yes, I know Bob very well. He goes, Bob saw what he saw, but they set it up a certain way because he lied about his application. They knew that he was vulnerable and potential to spreading What he saw and they knew he was friends with John Lear. So they said, this is perfect. So what I can say is I genuinely believe that Bob believes what he saw. Uh And maybe there was some truth to it. But what I could tell you is my experience being around this weird shit for a long time. Right. Seeing, (sighs) claiming to see an ET, right? I heard that he stated he saw an ET behind a curtain or it was on the other side. I'm very skeptical about that. Um, I'm just very skeptical about that, that part that maybe he did see something, but was it the real thing? Was it a real extraterrestrial? I don't know. I think that it just adds to the mystery. And yes, he saw what he saw. However, I can assure you this because I know a guy by the name of, you might know this guy too, Richard Doty. Right. right. Might have heard of him. I, I know him very well. And I could, t- I could assure you this. That if you were, if Lazar or someone was seeing something like he saw and they did not want that to get out, he would have just disappeared. That's it. There would be no George Knapp. There would be no story. There'd be no documentary. There would be nothing. That's they what I assume. To, oh, I'm sorry. What's that?
1: I said, that's what I assume as well.
0: You have to remember when you go into the military. And then you have credentials. That's one thing. You go into the black project world. They basically can trust you, right? Because they know you serve your country, you swore to an oath. And when you go into the black world, it's similar. You sign your life away. You write that if you betray them, if you betray the country, if you lie, if you're told not to talk about something, which I would would venture to say that they probably told Bob Lazar that when he was at Area 51 – you can't say anything of what you're seeing, right? I would think, I don't know, but I would, I would imagine some sort of secrecy thing, right? I would guess. Yeah. So, and then they would state that if you do, this is what's going to happen. I don't think they said the men in black are going to harass you. I bet you they said you go into jail or you're going to be executed.
1: Or you're going to get killed.
0: So they have, yeah, they have the right to execute you. Like, they literally do. They have the right to execute you if you share certain sensitive information. So, I believe he saw what he saw, and he just relayed it, and it just, adds to the partial truth, partial disinfo bullshit hmm. that's out there that we're currently seeing, which we'll get into. Um So when I had met Greer in 2011, he claimed that I could proactively, right? I could proactively initiate contact with these UFOs. And I said, all right, I'm not buying it, but I'm open. I just don't believe that it's possible because prior to that, my experience was, right? I'm in the military. I see UFOs, but I just saw them. At that point, it was just, well, I'm just in the right place at the right time. I just happened to be the lone night watchman when these UFOs appeared, which weren't on radar, which no one saw. I was the first to see, right? I thought, it's just coincidence. And I Andrew,
1: let me, let me quickly add or ask you this um, really quickly. When you first saw these things in the sky, what did you first initially think? Did you – Assume that perhaps this was, you know, one of ours, or did you think maybe this is from another world or anything of that nature ever, you know, first pop into your brain?
0: Well, initially, when I first saw it, my first thought was, all right, you know, your mind wants to tell you no. Like, it's a satellite. It's, it's, uh, you know, swamp gas. It's something. But it was like, it it just shined and glistened. It was like perfect. That's all. It was perfect. This thing was perfect. It, It was, Almost too good to be true. I was just like, Oh my God. Uh, my gut back. feeling, right? Yeah. My intuition was telling me. And without a doubt, the way the thing vanished, the way the thing disappeared, I knew there's no way a human being could have been in that. Because if a human was operating that, if it was inside of it, the way that it just vanished, the human being inside of it, it would have exploded. Right. You right. know, like your, your body parts, you couldn't possibly have handled the, the gravitational force, the geez, you right. know, and moving that fast. No way.
1: No doubt, no doubt. And, of course, Stephen Greer, I uh, believe the story goes, you know, after reaching a certain meditative state of, uh, I think he says, cosmic consciousness. I think he said that. I'm not quite sure Um, that he could sort of interact with extraterrestrial beings.
0: Right. So seeing the light in the sky when I did, I thought, all right, well, that's just the, you know, that's just the light in the sky, that's all it is. And it's going to come and go when it wants, right? I have no control over that, probably never see one again. Um, you know, there's nothing I could do about it. So I just kind of left it alone, you know, until meeting Greer. And then he told me, hey, we can proactively communicate with these beings. I said, all right, show me, let's go. And I went there. My partner at the time was a New York police officer. So a decent trained observer, right? And myself being a firefighter at the time, for five years yeah but Andrew, Uh, what what
1: compelled you though to to, to really go (laughs) out there though man like what what grabbed you by the balls and you know made you think well shit i gotta go out there and make this happen because you know it takes a certain individual to go after it
0: yeah and of course you know you're going to california for a week and and airfare for two people hotels and my partner at the time we like to travel all over the world we went everywhere germany switzerland um And we said, all right, we wanted to go out to the West Coast anyway. We said, let's do it now, even though we didn't really have, you know, 10, whatever, five grand laying around. We just said, you know what, let's just do it.
1: Right, because okay, by the yeah. time
0: we get older, you know, there's going to mm. be an excuse or so something's going to happen or, you know, Good COVID point. or, you know, whatever's going to come go. up in life, right? Right. So, fuck it. We, she was open to it. I was open to it. We started watching the videos online. But I said, you know what, I, I'm getting the feeling, right, my intuition's telling me. This is something that I need to go to the source ah, and learn how to do this the right way. Interesting. I don't want to, f- I don't want to fuck around in my backyard right outside at night. And next thing you know, I'm pulling in, you know, I'm just stating, you know, you're pulling in, uh, interdimensional beings like you hear about or some crazy shit. And now you have all these attachments. That's not my story. And I don't believe in a lot of that anyway, but I've heard about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be smart about this and do this the right way.
1: Yes, and um, I'm not sure if you had, you know, an earlier experience at all. But I think Stephen Greer also had a very early experience when he saw a craft when he was about nine years old. I believe the story goes.
0: Yeah, he had an experience. I know, and a near-death experience, which um, I had one too when I was a very young child. I was about three or four years old. I told my, I mean, this is pretty random, but I, I told him, said to my mom, I said, "Mom, I said I died once already. I drowned in water." I said, and when I died, I said, I went up to heaven. I said, I, you know, I saw this guy with a big beard. I saw Jesus. I said, and now I'm, I'm back and you're my new mother in this life. And at the time we were not church going people. we were not going to church every Sunday, nothing to that, nothing to that. I don't think at all. So my mother just looked at me and said, uh, okay, honey. And <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just left it alone. So why did I say that at that point in my life? We're going to piece this together as I keep explaining more of the story. So, um, But I just did remember that I had some sort of interaction with something greater, whatever it is.
2: Interesting. You
0: know, was it literally Jesus? I can't I, I can't say that it was a thousand percent, but something happened. All yeah. I can tell you is I told my mother what I told her, and I know she ain't lying. So uh, we'll get into that, though. So I meet Greer. He t- explains CE5. We go out to the desert. The first night, nothing happens. So, of course, I think, oh, my God, I'm ruining it for the whole group. Uh, I'm an asshole. I never tried to do this before. So I'm the rookie. I must be messing it up for everyone. So I go back to my room with my partner about 2, 3 in the morning. I wake up. There's a green light on the wall the size of like a camera flash. I wake my partner up. I go, you see that? She goes, yeah. And I go to the wall, and I go to to touch the light. Now it's gone. So we're looking all over the room for this thing. Can't find it. I'm like, shit. Now, keep in mind – we're staying in the desert. We're in Borrego Springs. There's no lights on outside. You're in the desert. You're in the yeah. middle of nowhere.
1: I know where, the t- where that's at, by the way. Great, great spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, love perfect it there. contact. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So now, of course, though, first night, nothing happens. I see this green light. I'm like, all right, it's got to be a smoke detector or some something in the room. It's got to be explainable. Looking for a practical answer always first. To All of us always look for the practical answer first, right? Got to be something. We're searching the room. Nothing. I go back into bed, boom, the light reappears. So now the light moves. The light moves a few feet. So it's moving up, down. So we look at each other. We're like, okay, we both see this. There's nothing in the room doing this. You know, there's no trickery. I get up now, I'm looking again. The light's still there. Now it's not moving at all. You know, it's staying stationary in that same spot. It's not disappearing. So we stayed, we connected with this light, right? We just meditated. meditated. And said, all right, I guess this is it, right? This is an orb or, or something to that degree. And it's literally, it's at the edge of the bed and two feet away. So maybe it's seven, eight feet from us, maximum. So we look, we meditate, and hours go by. The thing is still there, Michael. We were just fixated. We were meditating and literally speaking out loud to it telepathically. Um What I was getting, what I was feeling was, is that this is just like a little light here in the room. And there was something massive outside. But I did not want to get up and go outside because I didn't want this thing to go away. you know. So I just said, you know what? Let's just enjoy the moment. Let's just stay present. No pictures, no videos. At this point, Michael, in 2011, up until 2016, 17, I didn't want to take a picture. I didn't want to take a video. I didn't want anyone at work knowing that I did this. I wanted to just do this in my private time. So we enjoyed it. The next morning, we go meet Greer at 9 a.m. for breakfast. And he says, Did anyone have an experience in that hotel room last night? Wow. And I raised my hand and I explained and he goes, Well, what do you think it was, Andrew? I don't I want you to tell the group. And I just said I felt like something was outside. I could just feel it. And and this little light was like something that was sent out of it. And it was like downloading us or interacting with us. And Greer said, Yeah, this is what happens. Now he said, Watch. Watch what happens. And let me tell you, Michael, from that day on. The end of October 2011, every single day of my life, if I want to, I will go have contacts. I will go outside. I will do the protocols that Greer taught me. Or sometimes I'll be in my house and I'll just get a feeling. I'll say to my wife or my kids, hey, I feel something. I got to go outside. I'll walk outside and either there's an object there or Jeez. bang, one appears.
1: That's pretty crazy. So you could sort of like summon um, like a one of these things, in other words.
0: Yes, people call it summoning. Uh, uh, It's known as the close encounter of the fifth kind method, which is just a human being initiating contact with these objects, with these beings. Now, this is going to expand. So this is just opening the box, just cracking it at this point. Right. I fly, I fly back to New York. Greer tells me there's a lady in New York. Her name is Marilyn Gawak, G-E-W-A-C-K-E. If anyone is in the Northeast or near Albany, New York, and they're interested in making contact, you could look her up. Uh, since 2011, when I flew back from Greer's place, I met Marilyn and her team. And every weekend, still, since 2011, since I met them, they were doing it for like a year or two prior. But one weekend a month, we would drive up to near Albany to Marilyn's house. We all sit outside and we make contact or we go inside when it's freezing out and we make contact, pictures, videos, the whole nine, man. Most of the time, we do not share these, we do not post these, these are just for the group members because a lot of people there are private so they don't want their identities known, and I respect that, that's fine. Marilyn though, Marilyn's out in the public, she don't care, she wrote books about this, talks about it, she's she's a PhD psychiatrist. So when people ask me, what kind of nut jobs do you make contact with? Mm. I said, actually, they're extremely intelligent, the people I'd make contact with. There's no joke. So we've been doing this a long time. Uh, I went up to Marilyn's house, and I remember I was there making contact for about a good year. One night, I'm sitting in the circle. We're inside. It's freezing out. There's snow coming down. There's icicles on the windows. So when that happens, it's obviously hard to see outside. Well, Michael, being inside this house, in the room, we're sitting in like a like a yoga meditation room. I, I like to keep my eyes open when I meditate so I don't miss anything. Doesn't matter if they're open or closed. It's up to the individual. Greer told me that. That's what I do. I like to keep them open. So they're open and all of a sudden I see these purple tic-tac size droplets coming down from the ceiling. One after another. Boom, 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 boom. And they're going into my chest. So I'm in a meditation in the circle. I can't knock anyone next to me. And say, hey, man, do you see that? You know, we're all silent. We're just doing our thing. So. They come into my chest, and then they exit my chest and go back up. So the meditation ends, and the people in the room are like, Andrew, oh, my God, I saw a couple ETs around you. Now, the people that said that have been making contact with ETs probably for 10 years. I'd only been doing this at this time for like a year. So I was like, what do you mean? I don't see any ETs. At that point, I didn't see any ETs. So I said, I saw these purple lights, though, about a dozen of them drop down from the ceiling, go into me, and go out of me. And they were like, wow, that's interesting. So what I've learned along this journey is, Michael, people that have been doing this for longer or people that are at different points in their evolution or or, or awakening, whatever you want to call it. Some people see things visually. Some people see lights. Some people see ETs. Some people see UFOs. We can all be in the same room, yet subjectively we might all have a different experience individually.
1: Understood. And what do you say to those folks out there that are, you know, highly skeptical right now? Those that are saying, well, you know, you have to pay this big price to see some sort of light show in the sky. It's all bullshit. You know, there, there's people that are saying that right now. Um, what do you say to those folks, Andrew? Uh, seeing is believing in, in other words, correct? Um,
0: I just say, don't believe anything I say. Say that I'm full of shit and go find out for yourself. Um, with today's technology, remember at 2011, I was not on social media. I was not on Facebook. I was not doing any of that. I would look on YouTube and watch some Greer videos, but I did not want anyone to know I was into this. With Today, we have the gift of the internet and the iPhone. You could get all of this information from Greer for nothing. If you just Google him or go on YouTube, he has all this information and make contact for nothing. And then you could just look up a local group that's doing CE5 for free. There's an app called, uh, I believe it's ET Let's Talk. Run by a guy, Costa McHarris. I know him personally. He was a friend of Greer. He does free contact uh, app and meetups. And then if you want to buy Greer's app for I don't know ten bucks, that's ridiculously cheap. You can find local CE5 groups and all the meditations and how to make contact are on there. You don't need to spend the five grand. Me personally, I I'm a kind of person though. I need to be face to face with someone and see it. Uh-huh. so yes. there are there are people though out there like myself that have met with people that have never made contact before. I've met people, I've met them at meditation groups or at Skywatches that were free in Australia. I met people that never did it before that we had contact together. So you'll find people reach out, in, you know, with the internet. Oh my God, there's people that are doing it there for nothing. But to me, there's nothing better, like Greer's getting older, right? So I'm just glad... That I met him years ago while I had the chance mm. because there were other people that I, as I got into the internet and started researching things, there are people that I read, read about and looked into that, you know, passed away now. I don't have that chance. So with the internet and connecting, if you can do it, hey, I just know what it did for me. And, and we're getting along my journey now and we'll, we'll expand upon this.
1: Absolutely. And one more thing to add on in terms mm-hmm. of Greer. Why do you think so many people are so hostile towards? Uh, Stephen Greer, in your opinion,
0: um, people say he's compromised and all this bullshit. You know, I don't. I could just tell you this. I've heard so I many
1: stories, wanna... by the way. It's just you know yeah, endless sure. stories from other other like keynote speakers that have been with him at conferences. I won't mention any names, but sure. you know sure. they told me yeah. things like, oh, he brings private security and blah blah blah. You know, I've ki- heard all kinds of shit. But yes, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, sure. I'm still friends with a couple of his close security guards. They'll remain nameless. But uh, if people go to events, they'll meet them. And it is what it is, whatever. But they're good people. They're good-hearted people. They're caring. Um, I, I believe that Greer claims that he got attacked and was given cancer. Him and his partner, Sherry. Oh, they were damn. partnering to start C-SETI. That's pretty rough. Um yeah, they were supposedly – they went to the White House. They spoke to people at the White House walking out. Greer said he got blasted. He felt a feeling in his chest he never felt before. He knew he got attacked. He was able to beat it, and Sherry adamach this is in his book anyway. There's nothing private. Uh She passed away from it. So at that point, Greer told me he's going to use lethal force. So when I met him – Oh, shit. When I met When I met Greer, he said, if anyone comes after me or my team, I will use lethal force. And of course you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. The guy's full of shit. Well, a team member of his went home early. This guy, Emery Smith. Yeah, something happened when I, on the expedition, Emery had to leave mm-hmm. and Greer's, Greer's security guard grabbed me and my partner at the time and said, Hey, you're a fireman. You're a cop. Would well, you mind giving me a hand if something goes down? And we said, yeah, of course. You know, we wouldn't just sit there. We're first responders. Of course. So, um, the security guard grabs us in the back room, goes, come here and pulls out a case and opens this case and there's a nine millimeter in there. So he said, just in case something goes down, we want to show you guys where it's at in case, you know, we have to use it or something happens to one of us. You can use it. So we were like,
1: OK,
2: OK,
0: all right. I guess this is pretty serious. So if Greer's playing an act out, man, he's really playing it out good. Um, he showed us, you know, that he obviously is protecting himself. His security guards believe it. Um, I could tell you this. I know one of his attorneys personally, a friend of mine, and he represented Greer. And he told me he knows because he represented him as an attorney. He said that the DNI, the Department of Naval Intelligence, keeps an eye on Korea.
1: Now, that's very odd and very unusual.
0: Why? Right? Why, Why? with the DNI? I can't yeah. answer that. But the DNI is all over this UFO stuff. We know that, right? I mean, come on. Navy's all over this. Air Force is all over sure, it. Sure, sure. So I could tell you that, that he has something, uh, you know, is he a double agent? I mean, obviously, if he's getting into, you know, underground facilities and going to the White House, he obviously has clearances. That That's, of course, they're not letting in a stranger off the street to go speak if he really is briefing presidents and CIA people. The guy's got some sort of clearances. So that has to be if the DNI's follow him around, the guy checks out.
1: Are you what, saying you know, what, are, what are you a, saying he's like Yuri what Geller? A What's that? <laughs> I said are you saying he's like Yuri Geller? <laughs> I remember the CIA?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, he can't spend, bend spoons on camera apparently, right?
1: Right. Well, if he knew <laughs> the proper bending technique, like uh, a yeah, Vanachak, yeah, yeah, he he could uh, easily bend spoons. You know, it's a it's a, it's a bit of a carny trick. Yes, yes. Well,
0: this is what I say. I, I, and, and yeah, I don't know Eric personally, but, and if what he's doing is real and, and genuine, share it, man. All I could say is what I do, uh, making contact with UFOs, right? We'll get into the psychic stuff in a minute too. I do, I do not do it for anything. I work full time and in my spare time, I help people. I do readings. I help people. I educate people. I show them. I make CE5 contact. I would, yeah, if the day came that someone said, Hey, Andrew, you don't have to work anymore and you could just do that all the time and that's your profession. Yeah. But if I didn't get paid for it, I wouldn't, I don't give a shit either way because I love it in my heart. I love what I do doing that. I know the healing effect that it has on somebody when they make contact, when they get read, because I got read. I made contact. I know how that changes you and it helps you evolve, and ultimately, we're all in this together, whether we like it or not. So finding the right people at the right time opens doorways, and it closes other doorways maybe that you should have closed a long time ago. So meeting Greer, I had an amazing experience. I When I met him in 2011, I think he was genuine to me. That's yeah. all I could say. Uh, what he does with other people, how he's portrayed, I don't know. I don't talk to the guy regularly. I don't care. All I know is I met him and he changed my life. So you're you know, so- in other words you're really
1: solid yeah you're solid with Greer and he's changed your life and the experience you had obviously uh, very life altering as you just explained to all, all of us here and you know all these things that you're talking about all remind me of a few people kind of like um what's that one gentleman gentleman's name um he called himself like Prophet Yahweh you know he was summoning <laughs> yeah. UFOs back in like 2005 I think his name's like Ramon Watkins, I believe.
0: Yeah, I heard of him. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. And, you know, what I like the most, like you asked about people paying money, that's why I said my contact group, I was in the Northeast C5 contact group in right near Albany, New York. 95% of the people in the group never met Greer. Most of them didn't. Most of them just came up to our group and doesn't cost anything. Um, You just come up and we taught people. We did C5 together. Most of the people never did it again. Most people would come, check it out, and then, you know, maybe they never come back. It's too freaky for them or whatever. Everyone's got their own choice. But we had a solid core group over like, you know, a good solid, you know, uh, eight, nine years that I met these people where I was regulars. We had the same people every month. I would drive up three hours from Brooklyn, four hours from Brooklyn. I didn't care. And then back the same night and then go work in the firehouse in the morning because it was that amazing of an experience to see this. And, pe- and like I said, I wasn't recording this stuff at first. I was just seeing, it, absorbing it, taking it in and saying, whatever this is, whatever these beings are, I haven't noticed anything malicious or evil or no. People talk about demonic aliens or evil. Alien- I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, maybe for their reality, maybe that's true. My experience with Greer and these people, it's been just nothing but peace and love and amazing just amazing. And, and, you know, like that ascension, you know, you rise, man, your vibration increases. And Michael, as I kept going, kept making contact with these people, now abilities start unfolding even more. So for example, like I said, one night I'm sitting and I see these purple lights, right? Well, now I'm seeing them every time I meditate, I meditate, boom, I start to see this, like, like a purple auric field around. Like an like energy field. Literally, like I could see it. I'm totally conscious, totally alert. When I go into a certain state of mind, right, like I'm maybe you say I'm opening up my third eye. I, maybe that's a good description of it. I'm opening my third eye, but I literally can see this purple energy around. And when I see that, I'm starting to connect also with people's deceased relatives. So
2: Strange,
1: long, you know.
0: Yeah. So I know this puts a lot of weird things together. So I'm sitting in a contact circle with people, right? We're seeing UFOs. I'm also at the same time I'm connecting with the deceased relatives. Now so you're I wouldn't like, do that in a group.
1: So you're like channeling all kinds of things at once in a way.
0: Yeah, so Probably I wouldn't do that in a group. Like I didn't like doing that in a group setting with twenty people. You know, because it's not appropriate. Because sometimes things come up that are sensitive. However, I would meet with people privately or just one person at a time or two people. And I said, hey man, I, I'm seeing something. You mind if I share it with you? Yeah, of course, man. So I would say, you know, for example, you know, I. I have a guy named John coming through that, you know, he took his own life. He's telling me it happened in August. You know, a guy said, holy shit, man, that's my cousin.
1: This guy took his own life.
0: Yeah, so I'm just describing to the, you know, to the person I'm reading, hey, man, I'm seeing this, like, there's someone identifying themselves as John, and they're showing me a tree with a rope, and, oh, you know, they shit. took their life, they left a note, and the person I'm reading, I'm sitting with, they go, yeah, man, that's my cousin. Dark. Fuck, do you know that, bro?
1: That is dark, yeah.
0: So, so I said, I don't know that, I don't know you, like, I don't know you, I don't know your life story, but... I'm picking, I'm tapping into something else. So at first, Michael, I thought it was just UFOs. You just see lights in the sky. That's it. Maybe some ETs here and there. Maybe you'll get some ET information or channeling, but I did not realize that accessing the deceased was all part of it. This is at least Mm -hmm. my experience, my experience with this stuff. So I tracked down a medium, right? I I tracked down this medium that one time I got a reading, um, in 2010. My grandmother passes away. Like I said, my grandmother, when I was 15, promised me she'd come through to me. So she passes away in 2010. I walk into a restaurant with my mom, and there's a dude with long gray hair and like six earrings in. He's in the restaurant. And he comes up to me and my mother, and he says, someone in your family just passed away literally recently, like a month or two ago. My grandmother had just died like two months prior. So, you know, I'm cold as ice right now. I'm just like, yeah. I'm not giving him anything. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, okay, this woman had cancer on her face. He pointed to the correct side of her face. He said it spread up her face. It spread out, and she died from that. And she's saying that you or you, it's me and my mom, he goes, one of you was born on Easter Sunday. My mother was born on Easter Sunday in the 50s. Damn. Now, how could some dude with gray long hair, six earrings in, come in in a leather jacket and just say that to us? So I'm like, all right. Now, I'm still skeptical, though, right? Maybe the guy... Knows a friend of ours, right, or something odd, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm still skeptical. He says to me, he goes, "A girl in your family died, and she was buried in her christening dress, and her name is Emma." Now I go, "Nope, never heard that, right? I, I do not know that. Doesn't make any sense." So after the reading, my mom brings me in her house in the living room, and there's a picture on the wall. There's a young girl with black hair in a little blue, blue dress. I go, my mom goes, "Come here, Andrew." She goes. See that? I go, Yeah, that's you, right? She goes, No, that's Aunt Emma. She goes, She died over a hundred years ago. I go, Whoa, 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 hold on. Well, how did you have why do you have that photo? She goes, No, no, I just look like her. So it was passed down generation to generation because I look like her, but Aunt Emma died. She got really sick as a real, real young girl, and her mom, great-great-grandmother, whatever, buried her in that christening dress. So the medium just told me that, right? You had an Emma. That died and was buried in a christening dress. And that photo, that, that painting is in my mother's living room.
1: Yeah, that would have tripped me out.
0: So at that point, right? I said, all right, this guy either has been in my mother's house, right? Because I didn't even know that. I didn't even know who that was. Doesn't say the name or anything. I just thought that's my mom. Looks just like mom. Yeah. And she, mom's telling me, no, Andrew, none of us knew her. She died over a hundred years ago. They just gave me the photo, uh, the painting. So. That was in 2010. He connected me with my grandmother. I knew for sure, right? This guy was the real deal. So to fast forward, I meet Greer. Now I'm living in Long Beach, Long Island. Uh, Hurricane Sandy came through. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, Hurricane yeah. Sandy oh, rocked yeah. the East coast. Well, my house is underwater, right? All my money that I had in my savings accounts, I put into my home, gone in underwater. I tracked this, this medium down. I said, you know what? I, I gotta see this guy. And my dog dies, like, the day before I go to see this guy. So, like, I'm done, bro. I'm down and out. I'm fucking finished, right? You're I, devastated, I, like, yeah. what? <laughs> It can't get worse than this, right? Um, I go in to see this guy, and I sit, and, and he's like, oh, have I ever met you? I said, ah, two years ago. But he's like, okay. He goes, you can record this. I said, great. So I still have the recording to this day. He reads me, blew me, I mean, completely blew me away. He said, I'm having something there's something coming through someone or something small just passed away. They had cancer in their stomach. Now my dog just died the day before he had cancer in his stomach and I had to put him down. The guy says to me, he says, but it's a weird name. He goes, that's why I'm saying someone or something. He said, Oh, 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 my dog's name is Odie.
1: Odie. Okay. So poor dog.
0: Yeah. 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 So at the time I was on a Facebook, no social media, nothing, you know, none of that bullshit. Yeah. So I said, I said to the guy, I said, Holy shit, man. There's no way this guy could know that. You know, once again, the guy nailed it. Well, at the end of the reading, he says to me, he goes, Andrew, he goes, you have this gift. And I go, what? What do you mean? He goes, you have this ability. I said, nah, man. I said, I mean, I'm open minded. I'm into UFOs and this stuff, but he goes, no, no, no. I I said, I said, Robert, I'm a New York City firefighter. I'm not a psychic. He goes, you have the gift though. You have the abilities. You're seeing the signs. You just have to, if you want, I can help you interpret like the messages and the symbology. I said, all right, you know, Hey man, I'm open, but I don't believe that I can do it at this point. Well, he says, come back on Saturday. I train people. It's, it's the first time is free. And if you like it after that, it's 20 bucks and I do it for about three hours. So to get training from a legit medium that's been doing it over 20 years for $20 for three hours, that's unbelievable,
2: but Sounds it doesn't good exist. to me.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, if you're into that and you could fully, you know, I guess you could, um, fully commit yourself to doing something like that. Why not? Right.
0: So I'm like, why is this guy doing it for 20 bucks? Like that's, like that's fucking nothing. The guy charges whatever, a couple hundred for readings, which are dynamite and worth every penny as far as I'm concerned. But for 20 to train, I said, all right, let me, let me do this. So I didn't need the private reading from him anymore. I just went on Saturday and I started sitting with random strangers and I started seeing literally, I'd look at them sit almost face to face, just a few inches away and I would start to see like a black and white movie being played out above them. Like literally, I would see, picture Charlie Chaplin era, right? Like that black and white style and speed moving very fast. And I would see, for example, a car driving down the block backwards, smashing into a telephone pole, someone getting ejected and losing their left hand, but not dying. So I would describe this to people and they would say, yeah, that's legit. That is happening. So I just kept doing this, Michael, doing this, doing this. But I didn't connect it with the ET thing at first until, like I had said, I'm sitting outside seeing the objects and now I'm with people and the deceased are coming through. Right. All of this is, all of this is coming to a head. So I remember Greer saying, Andrew, if you just keep meditating, keep making contact, these abilities will just unfold naturally, organically. You know, you don't need psychedelics or any of that crazy shit. Just keep meditating. And as you keep making contact and raising your vibration, more things will open up and it'll be endless. So I just kept doing that. I just kept meditating, kept meditating, and then now I'm reading people outside at night or or sitting, making contact, vice versa. UFOs are appearing. I'm connecting them with the deceased relatives. And people like, this is unbelievable, dude. Just don't tell anyone. This is so bizarre, you know? Like I was like, hey, I'm not walking back into the firehouse and sharing this, not yet, at least.
1: Right. And that's another thing I was going to ask you. Obviously, you know, you're involved with, with, you're still, at this time, you were still with the firehouse, right?
0: Yep. Yep. So- I'm going back to the fire department, you know, uh, guys are starting to find out. Like I just started joining social media, just started taking some photos, wanted to get some information. Right. I I got to a point one day, honestly, where I was like, fuck it. I don't even care. I don't care who knows. I don't even give a shit now. You know, like I know what I'm experiencing. I know it's real and I can show guys I work with, like, I don't give a shit if they believe me or not. So yeah, I'm coming into the firehouse. They're putting green blow up UFO, UFO (laughs) dolls, you know, around my locker, you know, they're painting UFO signs. That's the firehouse, though. Get used to it. That's how yeah, it is. Yeah. So
1: so they were ribbing you a little bit for a while.
0: Yeah, but you're accepted because at that point, you know, I'd been on, you know, several years. So you're one of the guys already. They accept you. They know at a fire you got their back. All right, so you're into some weird shit. All right, so what? Like they just – they basically – I didn't think they'd accept it, but they learned to accept it. It just is what it is.
1: I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there were probably a few people that maybe came to you later on and said they've seen things or something of that nature. Oh,
0: yeah. Let me oh, tell no. you, some of the biggest, roughest, toughest, most hardcore guys you could think of would grab me on the side and say, bro, I saw something as a kid. Can I talk to you about it? At, you know, after work, can you call me? I don't want to talk. I, no one can know about this. Please. I said, yeah, of course, man. No no problem. And it got to the point, too. Some guys are like, can you read me? I said, of course. Anytime, bro. No problem. They're like, let's do it. Uh, let's just do it in a, you know a nice space. I don't want to do it at work in front of everyone, you know, like in front of guys. Because some guys will laugh and make it a joke and you need it. You know, you got to hold the space, man. You got to do this shit with respect. You're connecting someone with their deceased relative. Number one, that shit better be real, legit, genuine, on point and sacred, man. That shit is sacred. It, it disgusts me. I'm not going to name names, but it disgusts me when I see mediums out there and they walk up to people on the street and they read them, or they walk into a restaurant and they just say something. That's unethical. That's bullshit. That's not real mediumship. Real mediumship, you do it ethically. You sit with people, you read them. If they want, you can go into their space. You don't just impede upon their space. You don't do that to anybody in life. So I would always ask guys hey, if you want a reading, you come to me, man. I'm not just reading people. That's just not how this works. So were, you taking
1: a, were, were you taking a shot at uh, Sylvia Brown there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I don't, no, 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 no names. But uh, I just say anyone that's doing that, um, that's just not how I was taught how to do it. That's all I could say. That's unethical. Understood, you know, understood. Like the guy that trained me, Robert Hanson, he said, we don't do that shit here. You want to do that shit? Get out of the door. So I just learned from day one, hey, man, that's how we roll, man. The guy that taught me was an old school, hardcore Irish Catholic that was psychic, right? Go figure. Guy would go to church every Sunday still to this day, and uh, he had this ability, and hey, man, like, it comes to all people in all sorts of ways, so that's how I was broken in. I'm glad I don't get involved with that stuff, you know, to that, when I see that, if it's on a TV show, or someone's doing it, usually you have to get consent, usually, so to me, then I think, well, it's staged, it's bullshit, you know, like, it's an act, that's not real mediumship. No, man, they're staging that shit. That's nonsense. Because you have to get someone to wave and sign to agree to be on, to have their face on TV. So you're getting their permission. You're not doing it on the spot. Come on, man. That's bullshit.
1: You know, the... Because... Sorry, go ahead. No,
0: I was just going to say, because when you read people, man, some really sensitive things come up, people might flip out or have a nervous breakdown or go hurt. Like, you know, you bring up, like I said, the guy, oh, John's coming through, he killed himself. Yeah. I wouldn't do that on national TV in front of someone, you know, in front of the world. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not appropriate, man. It's not appropriate. What were you going to say, Mike?
1: I was just going to say, uh, dealing with that sort of thing is a sensitive issue. But yeah, one of the people I was thinking about right now is like Stanley Fulham, you know, retired NORAD officer who like predicted back, uh, I think it was like October or something that there would be all these sightings around New York, New York City. And that's exactly what happened. And mm-hmm. I believe he, I was, I was just going to say, if you wanted someone, I guess you could say that it's really, incredible to some degree, you know, retired NORAD officer and he's into like channeling and he predicts these dates. It's kind of unusual to, to you know, come across. Yeah. I believe it was Very back unusual. in 2010 is when that happened.
0: Oh, I remember the date and and, and when he talked about it before. I you remember really? when he talked about it before it happened and it did happen.
1: So you know about this guy?
0: Oh yeah. I just
1: Easy. randomly, it just the name just randomly popped into my head right now. I haven't even thought about this guy in so long and I thought, man, this reminds me of you know, Stanley and I'm all these names are starting to, you know, surface again here.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, I'm a believer of you shape your own reality with this stuff. I didn't understand that at first. Like I said, I thought it was all circumstantial. I'm in this place. Okay. I meet this guy. He teaches me this, but I stuck to the core elements, which was let this stuff unfold naturally. Like you don't necessarily have to go and train to remote view and join some remote viewing school for, you know, six months and pay all this money. You could sit in silence and keep meditating and you'll, number one, do the shadow work you need to do first, like cleaning all the bad shit out of your house. And then once you do that, then you can get involved with this. Uh Getting into psychic work, getting into ufology, getting into contact C5 is not the answer in your life if you're going through shit personally. Maybe you should be going to see a therapist instead of sitting in a meditation circle. That's the advice I'd give because I've gone through things in life. I've lost brothers on the job. You know, I've lost bosses. I've seen guys die. I, I've seen, you know, horrible shit in life. And I would always seek help and go talk about it. You know, I talked to coworkers. I, whatever I had to do, man, dump that shit. You don't need to hold on to that. Um, because holding on to it, right? It comes out one way or another. And if you don't deal with it, it's probably not going to be a good way that it comes out.
1: I'm with you on that one.
0: You know, Um which is a great segue into this. So I'm doing the firefighter thing. I don't want to tell anyone. I start to tell guys. Next thing I know, bang, I get a call from the New York Post. We're going to print an article about you tomorrow. We want to comment. I said, well, what are you writing? Who are you? I've never even heard of you. I don't even know who this writer is. So they just said, well, we're printing things about your experiences. Can you give a comment? I said, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. You obviously researched me for a few months. Would you maybe want to give me the benefit <laughs> of the doubt and maybe, I don't know, t- Interview me first? I don't know, right? i would be a respectful journalist. That would be the polite do. thing know. to do, yeah. Right? I mean, I, you tell me. I think so. And she goes, the girl goes, well, we have enough about you. Ready? We could just print it. I said, no, I don't have a comment for you. I have nothing. You're not even telling me what you're writing. And I called Ray Hernandez from uh, the Free Organization. You might have heard of him, Ray.
1: Yeah, actually, I've interviewed him here many, many moons sure. ago.
0: Yeah, great guy. He's also an attorney. So at this point, right, I'm a firefighter. Someone's threatening. I I thought it was a threat. They're going to print stuff about me in the paper. I don't even know what. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is going to ruin me. Like, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah,
1: that's not cool. So
0: yeah, I I don't even know what you're writing. You're not even telling me. So I call Ray. He goes, don't say anything. You just tell him you don't authorize them. And now I got to call the FDNY. So I have to call the press desk at the New York City Fire Department, which goes all the way to the top to the mayor's office. So. The cat's out of the bag now, Michael. Like, I told them everything. I made contact, interacting with spirits. Their response was, and it's even in an email, I still have it. They said, this is great, Andrew. We have no problem with this. Hmm. What you're doing is positive. You're helping people. You're not even charging them. So we're going to call the New York Post and find out why the fuck do they want to write an article about you. Interesting. Because it's not adding up, you know what I mean? It didn't yeah, seem yeah. like they didn't come across like, "Oh, we're going to write this beautiful article about you, Andrew. What well, you doing so amazing. We want to have, we want to interview." Nah, 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 man. And the last article that person wrote about a firefighter was negative. It was a hit piece. They wrote, they wrote hit pieces about firemen and political people. I go, oh man. Well, what happened? She, she's so fire department goes back and forth, and and the post ran the article anyway. A few weeks later, I have a feeling. They might have edited a few things because the fire department probably said, w- you know, why are you going to do a hit piece? The guy's a good guy. Leave him alone. Like, wh- what's going on, man? And three weeks later, bang, the article ran. Now, it was a blessing in disguise. We'll get into that. Um, in the meantime, I had traveled to Australia and met a girl. We hit it off. Things were going great. Uh, we got engaged. The article came out. We were engaged anyway. It didn't, didn't matter. And uh, at that point, we were deciding, okay, is she going to relocate to New York with her two kids? You know, at the time, she had like a 9 and 10-year-old. So to relocate to America with two children would have been a lot. So I called the fire department. And they said, hey, bro, you got a year. If you want to go to Australia and, you know, see how it works there with her and everything. And you got a year to decide what you want, bro. You can come back. All right, great. Fuck it. I'll go to Australia. Why not? Right. Once in a lifetime kind of thing. And bang, come here. Next thing you know. All right. I right, right. I got to work. Right. Got to support a family. Got to do something. And I remember this is saying to my partner, I said, I want to work in a funeral home.
2: And what she tell right. you?
0: <laughs> she goes, great! That sounds really cool. So, you know how magic works. You know how the universe works. I'm a big believer in you know synchronicity and trusting your intuition. So, I sat outside under the stars and the moon that night, right? And I projected my intention, right? Right. And my intention was, I want to work in a funeral home. Literally, just bang. That's it. Very direct, blunt to the point. And the next morning, I turned my phone on, and bang, it pops up that they're looking. For someone to work in a funeral home, very close by. Wow. Literally, literally, very close by. So I said, great. So I go in there, they hire me on the spot. Bang, done.
1: Just like that.
0: uh, Literally, and and usually to get a job in a funeral home, you got to have experience. Uh, Like, you know, it's very tough to get in. They usually take people that have been around and know the deal because it can be a very traumatic experience, you know, being around all their death and families. Sure. It's not for everybody, once again. So usually it takes about two years to start. Embalming people, if you want, they're very, very, very selective. Um, but like I said, I'm a believer in synchronicity and intention and, and projecting. So I projected that this was going to be in my future, pretty much immediately, and within four or five months, I was in the mortuary, fully embalming. Never did before in my life, never.
1: Damn, the universe guided you through all this, um, through this <laughs> journey of yours. It's it seems like, uh, Andrew.
0: Well, I tell people, listen, the universe isn't going to do anything for you. You better get your ass to work. That's so, true. Yes. You know, the way I work is I don't wait for the universe to respond to me. I'm very proactive in my approaches and very direct and very blunt. And I saw this, so I just stuck with it. And next thing you know, I went from literally just getting in the door to running back and forth, you know, running two facilities, basically. And you you f- could say that. And you found yourself with down zero.
1: under, man. It's, it's crazy.
0: So I'm doing it. And of course, right? You know, everyone asks, and, you know, now we can kind of get into that. So, yeah, there's a few things that go on The Uh that dead do show themselves. I will say this one morning I came in very early at a different place, right? I come in, and, you know, I worked in multiple funeral homes. When you embalm, you go all over the place. So, basically, they call you, somebody dies, wherever. Hey, can you drive there? No problem. Boom, you, you go up, do whatever yeah. you got to do. So, it's great. It's great. So, I go in there, and I walk in, and I hear my name, Andrew. Like, all right, there's nobody here. There's nobody in the place. It's like 6 a.m. All right, whatever. Now I hear the door like jiggling. So I go out. I'm like, oh, all right. You know, is guy, poltergeist? Something's going on. What, you know, I'm not scared, but it was just interesting. And then I hear footsteps in the hallway up the carpet. So I was like, all right, I open the door. There's nothing there. I close the door. I'm hearing up and down, up and down, up and down. Now, of course, I don't want to say anything to anyone. I'm on the newer side to the industry, right? Yeah, so you're the new guy. am yeah, I'm not exactly ready to go there with people because I don't even know them. However, I'm sitting eating lunch and the girls I'm working with, all of a sudden paranormal stuff comes up and they're like, Ooh. yeah, you know, uh, yeah, the other day so-and-so came in and they heard that, you know, the child running up and down the carpet on the hallway that's, and the door jiggling. Oh shit. So, so I knew, all right, well, it's not just me and I'm not going to, I'm not quite going to share yet. I'm just going to keep listening, right? I just want to hear what else is going on because I'm not in a position to share that information with people. Yeah, right? you're just a fly
1: to, on the wall at this point.
0: Yeah, you're new, you shut the fuck up, right? That's what the FDNY told me. you knew. new, Word. shut your mouth and listen. Of course. So I carry that everywhere. So I just listen, and now I'm hearing the stories of, you know, walking into the coffin room. There's all these coffins, and there's a shadow being running across, running across the room, right? Runs across the room. They look in. There's no doorway. So this thing just ran through and they were with a family, like people trying to buy a coffin. So uh, they just kept it the quiet. They didn't say anything. Uh, I sat with a Greek Orthodox priest. Once again, Michael, I didn't even bring this up, but this stuff finds you. So I'm sitting at lunch with like 12 coworkers. They all start spilling their guts about paranormal experiences in the funeral home, in church. Wow. It was a Greek, a Greek Orthodox priest that told me, he said, Andrew, the amount of people that come to this church on Sunday, they said they see black shadow beings and all sorts of different angelic and other types of entities running through the church during service. Man. Okay, interesting.
1: I want to, I want <laughs> to go to, to hear. I want to go to that church. I want to see these things myself. Wow.
0: Hell yeah! I, cool. Sign me up. You know. So yeah, I I just love it because if you looked at the person on the surface, the guy would never say this to anybody, right? Of course, but for some reason. My experience, my journey with this, people just find me somehow. They come in and they tell me about some bizarre experience or something weird like that. And they go, I don't know why, Andrew. I just feel like I could tell you this.
1: You and me both, Andrew. We have that effect on people. <laughs> yeah. People and then, find me. Yeah.
0: Th- then I get into, of course, you know, all right, listen, now that I know we could talk about this, n- not everyone, of course. I don't tell everyone this stuff. Um, I started to open up, because if somebody's psychic, I could see a certain, do you want to call it aura or energy around them?
1: You get the feeling, in other words, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get the certain feeling, but I know if it's just they're interested or they're curious, so they are they just snuggling at night watching Netflix into this, or are they (laughs) living it? You know what I mean? I could tell the difference. This is just over time doing this stuff. So as it turns out, they put me in the mortuary, right? And the two people that I'm working with, both have psychic abilities, both. So, what are the chances of that? I right? know, I mean, <laughs> Right? There's no coincidence in life. So, we would just talk about these things openly and normally with each other, of course, right? Because not everyone needs to know this. It's not for everyone. It's for anyone. It's just not for everyone.
1: It's not for know everyone. I mean? That's true. You know, not everyone can handle these sort of things. It gets a little too weird for them. Reality gets a little too weird for them.
0: Right. And also, we would have some deceased coming in. You'll love this one. So a deceased soul, a soul comes in. Body bags closed. I don't know the cause of death. No, nothing, zero. But I could see things like psychically. I could see, whoa, I could see facial trauma, right? So I know that this person was burnt with something, or something is going on with the face. And I could feel. People think that when you die, oh, they're at peace, they're okay. Uh, i'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you or your listeners and tell you that that's a load of shit if you kill yourself or you're in a bad space or you're not well or other. I don't even know what to say. Maybe you did things here and you were hiding whatever you were doing it was really twisted. I know that number one on the other side, they may not even come through to you. I don't know what they're doing or what their soul doing, but they're not gonna come through at all or they're gonna express themselves the same way they did here. They're not going to say, "Oh, I'm in heaven now. I'm peaceful. Everything's great." No, they are regretting the fuck out of what they did here on Earth because to make it right now they have to wait till you're dead or the people they affected were dead to make it right. Does that make sense?
1: Understood. Yes, plenty of sense. And by the way, Andrew, just for, just for the listeners out there, um, w- would you say you're religious at all?
0: Um I would say I'm just more spiritual, You're spiritual I don't follow okay. you know I, I don't follow anything as a religion nothing like that uh I like to go about life or even some religions as kind of like a buffet style so I, I think the concept or the avatar of, let's just say we've all heard of Jesus or Buddha or Gandhi or maybe the initial concept to be loving and kind right nothing I wrong see with that yeah it's universal like
1: just like you know religion Yeah, there's different little stories, little alternatives. You know, you have Muhammad who claims Adam was the first Muslim. You know, you have all these little variant stories everywhere, but all of it's all the same bullshit, just different named. It's just named differently, in other words.
0: Yeah, I'm not into the, my Bible's cooler than yours. I'm going to cut your head off now. Yeah, that's not my style. No, it's not me. I hear you. You know, I, I, People want to do what they gotta do. Just stay away from me and my family. You know what I mean? I, I can't you. change the world. I'm, I'm I'm not a miracle worker. Nothing like that. All I know is I'm responsible for what goes on inside of my four walls in my home. And if everyone just realized that and did the right thing, that would have an amazing ripple effect outside of your home.
1: Do the so, right thing. Yes, that's that's something. To I preach. think it's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> do the right thing. Yes.
0: Um. So, like I was saying, Michael. So you'd love this story. So this person came in. They were not well. They weren't feeling well. And I remember the next day, one of my bosses said, "Andrew, you got to see this." Now I felt something was off with this, right? Like something was severely tr- traumatic with this individual. We'll just leave it at that. Right. So my boss grabs me and he goes, "Hey, check this out." At two in the morning, I got a I got a message from the security company. I go, "What?" He goes, "Look," and he showed me the surveillance camera. And we have these there were these giant refrigerated doors, and they are moving halfway, right? They are moving halfway extremely slow, slower than normal. Halfway stopping. And then reopening, and then halfway, and back, back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. Now, how creepy? He co- he called the door company, right? Because the door company has a log of any movements of their doors, any at all, just in case there's an emergency or an accident. They they got to make sure the doors open and stay open, right? So he calls them, and they go, "We got nothing. There were no activations. That door did not open. We could swear to that. They came down. They checked it. They said mechanically, there's nothing wrong with this door." And I knew, I knew Michael, I just, once again, the day before seeing that soul, you know, that person that came in, um, I knew that they were having an effect because the deceased, just like the living, you can have an effect on electronic systems. You raise your vibration to a certain level. You can fuck up electronic systems. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. And it can even happen with a soul that maybe they're stuck in between or they're not quite where they need to get yet. So, uh, basically to your listeners, don't kill yourself. You know, go get help. Get help. Do that. Don't, don't mess it up for your family. The ones that have to see this after the, the trauma and the after effect and everything that's going on. It's just a shit show. You know, it's horrible. So get help, man. There's plenty of resources out there. That's why I do what I do, man. I, I love helping people. You know, people wake up at all different points and we'll get into this now. We're at that point now with COVID. Yes. And all the insanity but before, but that's both, going
1: on. But before we um, seen? Yes, but before we get to a covid, I just wanted to quickly add, you know, last night I saw the movie The Frighteners, you know, with Michael uh-huh. J. Fox, the um great horror fantasy of uh, 1996, I believe. Um I was watching it last night and, you know, I can't help but think about the movie again. Um as you're talking <laughs> to me about all these things, you know, having a special gift, just like uh Michael J. Fox in the movie.
0: Yeah. Um, I would say 90 plus percent of the people I met in the industry at some point have told me a paranormal story, um, that, you know, of course they won't go on a radio show and talk about it and and they're working and interacting and doing what they're doing, but they are very alert and aware of the reality. So it is a true reality. Um, and I've just had some interesting experiences with them. I'll tell you this one the other day, you'll like this. So. I came home and people asked me, anything ever go home with you? I said, no. I said, but I think my grandmother's around. And they said, why? I said, because I, I see my two-year-old, you know, staring in the corner sometimes. And I get that feeling my grandmother's around. I know ah. I know the vibration of my grandmother's. So Interesting, I know. yes. So one day I put my daughter down for a, a nap. And then when I came back, the toys were all over the floor, which is normal. She throws them out of the crib. So I'm home alone. No one's here. At night, I go to put her back in the crib. And when I bring her upstairs in my arm, all of the toys are in the crib and they're all in the like one side, the front end of the crib and they're all facing the same direction. Now I didn't put them back in. No one came home. And even if my wife had come home and did it, she doesn't put them in like that. So I didn't touch it. Something because no one was there. It was me and my daughter downstairs the whole day. I brought her back upstairs. All of the stuffed animals, like 20 of them were stacked up by the head piece, which I would never put them there because she lays there. doesn't make sense. They were all facing the same direction. So, when people ask me, "You ever seen anything in your house?" Yeah, that's a little unexplainable for me.
1: Yeah, all the time. You're probably thinking,
2: <laughs>
0: "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh, I've had other people come to my house say, "Oh my god, I saw the shadow being," or you know, I saw someone run through. And I haven't seen that man. I see him outside at night when I'm doing a CE5. But when I go to bed that's it. The game's over. It's bedtime.
1: You know, I have a friend of mine that I don't really mention. Well, I shouldn't even call him a friend anymore these days. I don't know what he is, but he, (laughs) you know, he's a very, um, dark sort of soul. I guess you can say, you know, he dabbled into lots of, um, you know, dark things in life and, you know, was a satanic priest, blah, blah, blah. You know how the story goes. You know, he always told me that his house was haunted and, you know, I always thought he was kind of full of shit. He's kind of just saying these things, but at, but, um, you know, lately he's been doing these tarot card readings and all this sort of thing. And he's been doing it on video. And I believe it was probably a month or two ago. Um, he had his cell phone set up and he's doing all these, um, he's, you know, he's shuffling the deck and he's talking. And all of a sudden uh, above him, there's like this black sort of orb that just goes by the front of the camera. And then later on, it sort of passes by a few seconds later underneath. And um, a few moments later, the cell phone just falls by itself. And, you know, there's no wow. wind or anything going on. I thought that was pretty unusual. And, you know, this guy's not tech savvy. He's not someone who's going to be trying to cause any foolery or anything like that. But um you, you do hear lots of strange audio as well in his recordings. And he says, you know, that's the spirit trying to get your attention, not exactly his, as he's someone who sort of tormented this uh, spirit for such a long time in that house, trying to get it to do shit for him. Um, but yes, uh, it's, it's very unusual once you see, you know, that kind of thing happening, it makes you sort of think, well, is there something going on here? Is there something, is the fucking house really haunted? You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but yes, Andrew, weird shit can happen, I guess.
0: Yeah. I've never, ever over the years had anything negative, or any You know, someone being thrown down the stairs or any of that crazy shit. What I know is people that dabble uh, with this stuff, my take was learn from the best learn from someone that has only had good experiences. So you will right? it's common sense. If you do what they say uh, the best you can, you're probably a good chance. You'll end up like them. A lot of people fuck around with this by themselves or they don't go to a school or they don't find a good teacher or whatever. So they try to teach themselves right from somebody. Maybe that is telling you there's good aliens, bad aliens and this and that and all this crazy shit. And next thing you know, they think they're being abducted like Whitley Strieber in communion or whatever. So you got to be real careful. The bullshit you're taking, especially with the day of the internet and everything that's out there. There's a lot of people out there that are pumping out all sorts of crazy stuff that have never been formally trained, you know, and they're putting on a front as one thing, but really another. And
2: deep down, wait a a minute, wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. You you mentioned Whitley Strieber. What do you mean by Whitley? Uh, I'm just curious. His name always comes up here, not always for the positive reasons, but go ahead.
0: Sure. Yeah. I know he had some, you know, with his, uh, I know the guy that made communion, Philip Mora. I, I, I know him pretty well. So. Okay. We'd spoken, we'd spoken several occasions. Interesting. And I know that I'll tell you this. You, you, your listeners will love this. He's a little old man from Australia and we spoke at length a few times. And he said to me, he said, Andrew, when I started doing communion, I didn't, you know, I had to see this for myself once again. He goes, so I flew to Whitley's house in upstate New York. He goes, and I spent the night. He goes, and I got abducted. Now I don't think he's ever told anyone that. So holy shit. that might be fresh news for everyone. So it is what it is. Um, okay. He said the next morning, he said to Whitley, I had the weirdest dream last night. Like this bright light came and, and then Whitley finished off and basically told him what had happened. And he's like, holy shit. So then they go to a diner. You'll love this. They go to a diner. They're sitting and eating. Some guy comes in. I don't know if Whitley knew the guy or didn't know the guy, but some dude comes in in a suit, sits down and says, you guys are working on making this movie Communion. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, well, you're going to need permission for that. I'm going to have to go make a phone call. And the guy, Philip, like, all right, whatever. So this guy gets up, goes outside. They look down at the table and like the salt or the sugar shaker had written the word. So it was dumped out. It writ- wrote the word alien. Now, nobody dumped that thing out. They were sitting there at the table having breakfast, but that thing was dumped out. It said the word alien. And then supposedly the guy came back in or whatever this thing was and said, yeah, you got the approval. You can do it. That's and weird. That's, yeah. Right. That's yeah, a little strange.
1: Very, so I don't, bizarre. once again,
0: I don't, I don't know Whitley, but I don't think this, this old man, I don't think this guy was lying to me. There's no reason for him to fabricate that or lie. It just doesn't make sense. It's
1: pretty wild. I had never heard that story before. Um, I'm sure the so, listeners will enjoy that one at home.
0: Yeah, so I can't validate Whitley's story. I don't know him personally. Like I said, I if I don't talk to people directly, I'll tell you, hey, I don't know him. I do not know him, but I know the guy that made communion and he just said, Andrew, if you're going to go down this path one day or maybe, you know, make a film or be involved with media or whatever it is, you know, weird, stuff, strange things are going to happen. And I said, that's the story of my life, Philip. Like, I'm ready. Bring it on.
2: You know, <laughs> whatever it is, it is, bring it.
1: Yes. And there's so many people in the UFO community. I hate even to say that, but that's how some people out there interpret all these things. Um, Lots of people, you know, say these things. They embellish lots of stories out there. And, um, you believe Whitley's not one of those individuals?
0: Um, I, like I said, I don't know him. So just from what Philip was telling me, if he's telling me that he got taken, I would say then there's a good chance that he had some sort of interaction. Yeah. Something happened. That's okay. pretty legitimate. And, and, and the other fact is the guy never went publicly and tried to sell that story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he just told me that. So, I would say it's pretty legit, man. You know, like, wow.
1: <laughs> okay. Very cool. interesting. Okay. Well, and now I, mm, go ahead. And I
0: didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick up anything from him. Like when I zoomed with him a few times, yeah. I didn't pick up, if I picked up any bullshit, obviously I would have just stopped talking to him. So nothing yeah. like that.
1: Interesting. Well, I do, I do trust your, your character in that sense as well. I'm sure you would have detected some sort of, um, bullshit there yourself. And, uh, Andrew, yes, we have reached that point where we are going to talk about COVID now for a few minutes here. Yes. And you're out there in Australia. What, what's the scene really like out there in the streets?
0: Wow. Well, it's, it's the fifth lockdown. You know, we have very minimal cases. You know, I, I consider minimal, you know, like 13 a day. Like, come on. That's really not much, but it's just for the state, the state of, you know, Victoria, where I live in Melbourne. Word. So the whole state overall is very, very low. They were very, very proactive with just shutting everything down last time uh sydney was not nsw that area so you're seeing them all over the tv right now so apparently you know they were kind of laughing at us last year ha 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 you guys are so crazy you're in lockdown well now you know the number's 100 plus every day so it, it, it's just a shit show so they're trying to put a steel grid you know like a steel wall around our state nobody's coming in nobody's coming out nobody's going anywhere you know unless you you know maybe you're politically connected or, you know, you work for the government or something like that because they don't want to take the chance. So, yeah, it got out of control from the beginning of COVID lockdown. This 5G thing took off. People were losing their minds thinking that 5G towers were being installed at night. People down here were convinced that we were in lockdown because they were installing 5G towers. The electricians were out at night installing 5G and there were the, the, of course, The other rumor was that the reason we're being shut down at night is that they're evacuating all of these children from underground tunnels here that were, like, captured and enslaved and all this insanity. So, psychically and literally, I did not see any evidence of that. I have nothing to pass on of that. It it was just out of control at first. People were just all sorts of wild stuff. People were going around cutting down towers and and messing with these electricians at night when all I think that was happening was… They were just trying to work and get the work done, like whatever they were doing. I don't know what they were doing, but they're just trying to work. That's it. It was nothing 5G related. It was insane.
1: And would you say 5G is safe or do you think it's something that you should consider potentially um, harmful?
0: Well, I could just say I was an electrician for over 20 years. I went through a five-year apprenticeship program in Long Island before I was a firefighter. Um, and then I kept working. Obviously, after I did my apprenticeship, while I was a firefighter, my days off. I did electrical work, so I have a decent understanding about electrical systems and power grids. Decent, you know, not not the best, but pretty good doing it all that time. And I would say that, well, okay, if we're worried about 5G, what are we going to do when 6G comes, and 7G, and 8G, and 9G, and 10G? Because every year, they're going to run a new one out. Uh My internet has never been faster. It's lightning fast, Michael. I can hear you crystal clear. So, nice. thank you, 5G.
1: Thank, thank God you. for 5G that <laughs> That's now. all I
0: can say, yeah. Thank you. I have. Yes. 3G, <laughs> 3G sucks and 4G sucks. 5G, I hear you great.
1: <laughs> I guess we got your answer there. No real fear, um, over 5G. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, I did have a guest here say that many people were going to die once the 5G towers were activated.
0: Well, I could say this that I, I, and I, I don't want to get too dark and gloomy, but what the fuck is everyone so afraid about it dying? We're all going to die one day. We're going to the same place. My understanding, I guess my mindset is, is that we go on forever. So I'm not afraid of death. I don't, yeah, don't want to it. die. I don't walk, wake up and say, oh, I want to die. No, I want to be with my family. But oh my God, when I, when I do die, I'll get to see all my relatives that I miss. And then we'll all go on to the next phase. So to me, uh, people flip out. I don't want to proactively die. But to me, it's, it is what it is. It's part of life, right? You're in this... People say, oh, the universe has got my back. Really? The universe has got your back. Well, what about COVID and all these amazing elements and hurricanes and tsunamis that we have? To me... I don't think the universe has your back, man. you better protect yourself,
1: I agree with you, one hundred percent you know this is a rough and tumble world, you know, but um death is nothing that you should fear. The Egyptians had one of the best um i think perspectives on death in my opinion
0: yeah i i i I totally agree, and I know there's different parts of the soul, right, so sure. if you get into the Egyptians, you know one piece stays, one piece goes. And I don't have all the answers, but I'm going in a direction where I could say it makes sense to me, you know, that it's it's something like that. Of course, I don't know who the designer is behind this matrix, you know, was stuck in this machine, in these meat bodies. I I can't tell you for sure, but it's leaning more and more in that direction for me of ancient Egypt that those people were spot on. And when I have a better understanding of that i will come back at some point in the future and we can get into all that i just like to really do my research with things to really get a concrete foundation michael i mean obviously I I, i was making contacts and i was seeing ufos i wouldn't even take a photo for seven eight years and share about it until i had an inkling of what i was talking about so i do my research at the end of the day i don't just impulsively react. I try not to do that. I try to really look into things and see all sides of them and learn about the bullshit and the bad sides to say, okay, this is my experience with this. I've met amazing people like yourself, your listeners, and we're finding the others. And what are we going to do when the next variant spreads, right? People are flipping out about this. What about when the next variant comes out? What about when the next catastrophe happens? So I think we're on the verge of People awakening and people totally self-destructing. But it's an individual experience, right? You're either going to individually destruct or you're going to wake up and say, all right, enough, man. I'm snapping out of this, you know, hallucination or dream that we're in right now. And I'm going to do what I want and, and find out what's really important to me and live out what my true will is. You know, people say to me, what about God's will? How on earth, this is just me, how on earth could I know or describe the will of the God or the designer of this reality, I don't have a freaking clue. All I could say is I know that I'm in control of what I do and what I make out of that, and to me thats a, that's the gift that's the gift is realizing that I'm in control of that. and then now that I realize that now give it back, show people, let's help each other, and we will continue our our circle is going to get smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter when we find more of the others. you know, and that's what times like this do right now. You know, we're finding the others, we're finding out the real friends, the people that really have our backs. Are you experiencing that too?
1: Sure, sure. I'm experiencing a lot. Um, but you know, during the lockdown, I sort of went into a bit of a tunnel vision and they sort of blocked off the rest of the world. And, you know, once I got out of that, I looked around and I thought, man, everybody sort of, um, really fell apart during the lockdown. Lots of people changed. Some very few changed for the better. Most changed changed for, you know, the worse. Um, but yes, it has affected lots of people around me. Um, but you know, you have to go forward. You can't just stay, you know, moping around or any of that sort of thing at all. You have to push forward, especially now. You know, things are getting kind of weird again. You know, you were just talking about a lockdown. That's probably going to happen here in America pretty soon.
0: Oh yeah. It's coming.
1: I hope not, but that seems like, of course, of course. Yeah. It seems like that's what's going to happen. You're seeing the rest of the world and they're going into lockdowns right now. Most people out there. Well, not most people, but some countries you are seeing that. And, uh, my God, um, you have a kid. Well, you have plenty of kids around you. Are, are they going to uh, be vaccinated? Or are they? No,
0: no. Right now where I currently live, I don't know anyone. There are all these five lockdowns. I don't know one person that had COVID. Nobody, nobody near anywhere where I live.
1: No one has COVID within, where you're at.
0: Uh, within miles. I mean, uh, very far. So I, I look at things practically. If I wake up tomorrow and 95% of my block has it, well, then maybe I need to reconsider that, <laughs> okay? I'm not in that situation. So right now, I'm going to just keep living and doing what I'm doing. And when the time comes, just like being a fireman, when you sign up to be a fireman, they say, hey, bro, you got to get a hep B vaccination. You know, guys have stepped through nails, that shit can kill you. That's we true. highly recommend it, man. You can't work without, you know, you don't want to do that, man. You could die. All right, you get one. You're not an idiot. However, a new experimental drug that we don't know enough about yet that I don't absolutely have to get for me personally, I'm just gonna wait. So it's not an emergency right now. I'm not in America. If I was near you, who knows? But I'm not. So right now, no, that's not, the, that's, that's overkill for me, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I'm in an area that's not really heavily populated and, uh, the COVID numbers are quite low in my area, in my county. Cause, you know, I'm far away. I'm in a place called El Centro. It's about an hour away. From San Diego, I'm kind of in the desert out here. So, you know, we're kind of secluded from the rest of the world.
0: Yeah. You know, I think this, Michael, though, I think eventually we're all going to be infected either somebody
1: was telling me that too recently. So it's, it's pretty funny that you're mentioning all these things. It's a weird synchronicity, but yes, I think eventually most people are going to catch it at one time or at one time or another. I mean, look at all the. The I guess the alleged booster shots, you know, all this stuff I was talking about early on last year, the mandated vaccines, the fact that, you know, this virus is going to keep mutating. It's not going to stop. That's what viruses do. Um, And, you know, it's going to require another shot and then you're going to get another shot and another. It's a mess.
0: Yeah. And I think one way or another, like the testing, the water here for COVID. And of course, the numbers are high, right? And finding also, it's a high COVID area. So I just have this intuitive feeling that eventually – They're not going to be required. They're going to need to vaccinate you. It'll be put in, just say, for example, it'll end up in the water supply. It'll be some great tragedy or in the food, like GMOs, or they'll inject that shit in something and eventually we'll all be infected. You'll either have the virus and fight it off or you'll get the vaccine. So eventually, or if this really sheds, like I've heard rumors that I don't have any proof of that, but if it sheds, so you buy somebody that has it and, and they, breathe on you, or the skin gets on you. So we're all fucked, basically, right? Basically. It seems
1: like it enough. I do <laughs> of, <course the, laughs> yeah. of course, the next big one, well, they're trying to make it a big one. It, it's monkeypox. You know, lots a gut, of cases yeah. are being um, uh, found here in the States. It's, again, it's all a mess. It makes you think, uh, who is releasing this? Is this being done intentionally like Anthrax was?
0: Well, people ask me, what do the ETs say? What do the downloads you say? What are you getting? Yeah, and what said- do they say
1: about COVID? What are they saying?
0: This this is this is what they tell me and I tell people this the the ETs the UFOs they've made a U-turn. They don't want to be anywhere near us. This is a creation of ourselves. However it was came about, we did this. We have to figure this out and they'll communicate with the ones that want to communicate with them. They're not going to show up because why on earth would a peaceful civilization that is much much older than us hundreds of thousands of years older than us They've moved past the point of nuclear war and nuclear arms, obviously, because this is still alive. So if they're coming here, which they are, why would they want to land in a zoo, which is planet Earth, where the animals are armed and already get off on killing each other?
1: Right. You know, my father made this quick little, um, uh, not a theory, but he just threw this out there, a piece of mind of his. I'm not quite sure what he was thinking, but <laughs> now I'm thinking, man, that's, That sounds kind of logical and reasonable that that's probably one of the, one of the reasons why this was let loose by a lab. Uh, Well, that's one of the theories out there, they say, but I think that's one of the most tangible and reasonable answers and theories. But hold on, hold on. One second, one second. Just let me finish this. You're going to love this. You're going to love this one, Andrew. My dad said, what if COVID was released purposely to prevent an alien invasion. And I thought, holy shit, dad, you're a genius.
0: <laughs> like I said, they've made a U turn. So they do not want to be anywhere near here. Dude, maybe that um, happened.
1: Maybe my dad was right.
0: Yeah. Well, I know there's some <laughs> beings that I've seen literally change shape from just say a orb or a ball of light. When I take photos and they come out blurry and people say, Oh, that's a blob. That's, that's bullshit. Where's the really teen flesh? A lot of these beings, from what I've communicated with them and what I've seen experience experienced and know from people in naval intelligence as well, to clarify this, right. when they come from wherever to here, whether it's in the Earth or a distant planet, when they come here and they change shape, mm-hmm. so they say they come down in a ball of light and they literally shape-shift or change form, because of the toxins in the Earth, like COVID and the elements in the environment, they can only hold their vibration sometimes for a few seconds. And when you take a photo, they are vibrating energy. So you're taking, yes, it's a picture of like something shaking or a blob because they cannot take full form. If they did, they would die instantly. Wow. And this, and the same thing goes for humans. The Navy has a program. I don't want to get into it, but whatever. I know one guy, uh legit, because he's got a scar down his chest. He went to another planet, supposedly, right? Interacted with these beings. And the only way he went there, they had to retrofit him. They cut down his chest, and they had to install a special breathing apparatus so he could be in that environment.
1: Now, that is crazy.
0: That's a highly decorated Navy officer. I'll send you his info when we sign off. do. I don't want to get do. Into it right now. Yes, please I'll, do. I'll say that. Of course, I didn't go there. I didn't see this happen, but I know the guys that checked him out, and— they they good they're, they're legit man i'll just say that so something weird is going on right that's weird stuff but that does make sense right and ets coming here or something's coming up from another planet well just like us we're looking for habitable planets we can't find them why because we can't handle the elements
1: yes we can't physically get there you know there's billions of stars billions of galaxies there's got to be life out there somewhere and you know that leads me to um this next point here which i should have brought up when you originally brought up your you said your grandfather right That was in the the Navy.
0: Uh, well, my uncle John, he passed away last year is
1: probably the one you're referencing. Right. Okay. Well, him, you know, all the stories they talked about seeing things in the sky. Some people even talking about USOs. So, you know, it makes you, you know, with everything going on, um, recently, you know, it really does make you wonder, especially when you think about the endless claims about USOs. Um, when I first heard of underwater submerged objects, Uh, I always thought, you know, this, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No way any of this ever took place. You know, when you think of USOs, that's the first thing you think of, you know, someone that the first time you hear about that, you think, come on, that's, that's bullshit. But then later on, fast forward, you know, many years later, you see this kind of footage from the Pentagon all of a sudden with these things. Yep. Which I'm very cautious because why would they roll this out now? It just seems perfect. That's another thing. But yes, it really makes you wonder. Doesn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. And I know there's more to the story. They have troves of documents at the CIA, DIA, NSA, you know, and of course, none of that's included in this bullshit Pentagon report. So I might waste my time with that. They're just right. giving you drip drops and crumbs when they know if the real reality gets out and they have to touch the abduction subject. It's going to be a disaster. So they'll, they'll never do it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to go this. So I don't know what's going on right now, but there's a lot more to this.
1: Yeah. The, that report was bullshit, right?
0: <laughs> 17 page or whatever. I don't know. Are you kidding me? No way. That's insane. There's no way. Years of 70 years of studies. Really? They're just given a few years they've been studying this since the beginning of time. Just please. So
1: why so yeah. secretive though? Why, why do you think that? Um If you could take a think, wild guess. Why yeah, why do you I, think, I think they're like, that that some way?
0: people are convinced based on once again, if you're doing this, if people are experimenting with like the gateway process yeah. and they're not doing it the right way, they're having soldiers go in there, or they had scientists going in there that all of them died after. If you don't do this the right way in the right setting, you'll go you can go insane. You could lose your mind. So they thought that these non corporal entities, like they like to call them, or interdimensional or ETs or whatever you want to call them. Uh, they think they're all negative, or they're having negative interactions. Well, if you're showing up as a soldier to them with a weapon or arms, yeah, you may not have a good response. <laughs> right. I don't show up armed or weaponized, so I don't think it's the answer to this problem is to weaponize space. I think you are out of your fucking mind if you think you're going to weaponize space and you're going to take these things on. you got another thing coming. They will not tolerate that. Edgar Mitchell said it in an email to Tom DeLong and Podesta, our friendly ETs out in space will not tolerate the weaponization of space.
1: I wonder what's going on with Tom DeLong now.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot he's of crickets.
1: Been, Great question. Been, I was going to say he's been really quiet, hasn't he?
0: I'd love to have a chat with him. Um, you know, about a few things, but he's on the evil alien narrative threat and I don't play that. So, uh, but I'm not, I'm not dismissing that with people. What I'm saying is let's sit down and have a talk about
1: everything. everything. What do you, what, what do you make of that? Um, there's certain videos online. I'm not quite sure which ones are legit or not, but you know, there's certain videos you see that, are titled, you know, U.S. military shoots down UFO or Israeli military shoots UFO. You know, you see these titles on YouTube and you see these videos, these, the grainy footage, the grainy black and white footage. And there's, there's a number of them now. Um, have you seen any of those videos and what do you make of those?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think most of them, once again, they're being laid out. There's a purpose. There's an intent. I, I don't, I think they're explainable. I, th- I think the real. Weird, unexplainable shit, which they have troves of it. Christopher Mellon talked about it. We have so much evidence. The real compelling stuff, like 50 feet away from people within eyesight, they'll never, ever Ever release that. I don't think they'll ever see the daylight. It's, it, it, it's going to be too bizarre for people. We're not at that point yet.
1: Understood. And I, of course, I know we have to wrap up very soon here. I did have just a few things to quickly add here before yeah, we yeah. shut it down. And you'll like this. Trust me. Um, you know, since the dawn of time, ancient man has always looked up at the sky and marveled and wondered about the endless possibilities, blah, blah, blah. You know, that fascination still continues today. You know, recently we saw Jeff Bezos take a trip to the edge of space. You know, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts and opinions are on space travel and all that sort of thing. And, yes, of course, he was heavily criticized and ridiculed for obvious reasons. But, yes, um, you know, my level of interest always increases every time I see the suits so eager to go to space or the, z- the desire to colonize Mars, blah, blah, blah. Well, what are your thoughts and opinions on that, Andrew?
0: Well, we got to first take care of each other because if we're going to go somewhere else and interact with something else or if we're showing up on a planet that is someone else's, oh, boy, we better be real careful if we're going to keep acting this way. So, yeah, hey, he's got millions of dollars. He's going to do it. I'd like to take care of each other first before we just run away. but. You know how it is with human beings, man. Everyone's out for themselves. Not everyone, but a lot of people are out for themselves. Right. And they'll jump ship in a second. People ask me, um, you know, contact these, oh, if a UFO landed, I, I, I talked to these beings, Andrew. And, you know, if they landed and they wanted to take you off planet, would you go? I said, hell no. I said, I'm going down with the ship, man. <laughs> I'm not leaving my friends and family. I don't give a shit what happens here. If there's a nuclear attack, I'm not going anywhere. That's what you're here for as a human. And when you die, yeah. You're going to have to answer to that or, you know, live with that or whatever you want to call it on the other side. So hell no. You go wherever you want, man. I'm not going anywhere.
1: Understood. And Andrew, how are you dreaming uh, these days?
0: Unbelievable. All over the place, man. People from the past, present, future. People are showing up that I haven't met before. People that I haven't talked to in 20 years. The best thing I did during lockdown, I've learned over time. I went from being pissed off like everyone at first. I started writing, started writing, drawing. Uh, connected with a musical group called Feels Collective. They actually just put out a video last night with some of my contact videos. So things that may not have happened a few years ago, i, I just expanded upon dreams and making the most useful time of my time in lockdown, right? So you yeah. might as well make something good out of it.
1: Isn't that fun when you have people from the past just show up in the present time in a dream and you sort of catch up with each other?
0: Yep, it's happening all the time. That
1: shit's cool. Well, Andrew, always a honor and pleasure to have you here on the program you know i could talk to you for another hour easily but we have to wrap it up we were here for a good time and not a long time (laughs) that's right right anyways andrew thank you so much my friend any final words before we part ways here uh, if
0: anyone wants to reach out to me, like always, just look me up on any social media, man. If you got questions, I love talking with people about this stuff. You know, as long as we have an adult conversation, no problem. Right. Um, yeah, man, we're all in this together. So let's try to help each other out, you know, when we can and be appropriate about it.
1: And where can people reach you?
0: Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere. Just Google me. You'll find one of those links, man. Just DM me. We'll talk. No problem.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much, Andrew. We will talk again. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. Take care, my friend. Take care. And there he goes, boys and girls, that was our guest, Andrew Razowitz. Give him a round of applause. That was a fun episode there. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. I don't want to bring us down this uh, path here, but this did come up on my feet here earlier. Now, not everyone likes football. I know. Trust me, I get it. However, this bit of news was a bit surprising for me to hear. At first, it was reported that Rick Dennison, now that's the Vikings coach, he refused the vaccine, and reports were stating that he was going to be fired. He would be the first person to be fired because he didn't want to take the jab. He did not want to follow protocol. And now it's being reported that he hasn't been fired. They're going to renegotiate something. We shall see. We shall see. This is quite interesting because most major places, most major production companies, and that includes the NFL, I would imagine most of those places the vaccine would be mandated. Certain jobs now require you to be vaccinated. With everything the way it's been going around the world here in America, one does have to wonder how far will these protocols be pushed? I know I said this on the last show. Perhaps we would be all rounded up, those of us not vaccinated, and maybe force us to get jabbed. Or maybe even worse, who knows? Now, I can't confirm that, but it is an idea that's been floating in my mind. One does have to wonder how far these protocols will be pushed down our throats. Who knows? We will find out, though, soon enough. Were the conspiracy theorists right all along? Social credit scores. Big Brother. Agenda 21. The list goes on. Those of you in the chat room... Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. You are a part of the program. It's true. Yes, you in the chat room. And of course, you listening at home to the podcast version of this program. You are a part of the program. International listeners out there, guten Morgen. Much love and respect to all of you. Keep in mind, if you want additional content, please go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And yeah, that's where gold falls from the sky. By the way, Monday we will be going live. Mike Hideous will be here. And uh, we'll bring it down faster than a Chinese hospital. You can guarantee that. Now, boys and girls, I am sad. I don't want to close shop here. But looking at that time, and time has certainly flown by. And I did state here earlier before we were here for a good time and not a long time. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Regardless... I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me here tonight. We will do this again very, very soon. Much respect to all of you out there listening to the podcast rendition of this program. I did not forget all of you. I mentioned you before, but you are on my mind. You are always on my mind. Like that Willie Nelson song. Once again, take us on the road with you by searching Michael Deacon or the Michael Deacon program. And yes, you will find the show there. It's been fun, boys and girls. We will do this again. On the other side, I'm Michael Deacon, reporting to you live from Hell Central California, a place where you too can go missing. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Mike in Montclair. What's up, Mike? Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, yeah. you put your fat ass in a car and go to hey. one that's open to all your constituents. Well, you know. Not just you interesting, and yours. Interesting, Mike. You know what? What's that? What's beach, that, that, What's beach, that beach, Gov? You know, Mike. I love I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. Communists in, in Montclair. Montclair, you know you're a bully you are, governor, you know, no, and I don't what? like bullies. You know what? And listen, I'm not the one who you came on the air. Hey, hold on, your Mike. Entire career. Mike, I'm not the guy who came on the air, swore on the air, who swore? and so you did. Who I, I, I kicked the heck out yeah, of you. you know you're swearing on the air, Mike. You're 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 a bum. You know, so you let's, so let's just go, but, bully, oh, bad optics. Okay? Mike, and I'd love to come look to at your optics every day, buddy. Oh, that's, you know what? The and you know what, Mike? What matters is what you do. That's what matters. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> what I just did was stop. You, of you know course, I mean? you, were, you were a headline guy. I'm and then, a headline guy. You know, you, you know what I mean? For a while, you popped out. Now you're
0: coming back. For, I a, come while, back. for a while, for while, you, you were actually I mean? running a gym. Tell us
1: about that. Running a gym? <laughs> weren't you running you a, gym a gym at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. What are you getting your That's fucking information? That's our research. You weren't. You weren't. This are, is are. ridiculous. I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym?
2: No, no. Running a gym?
1: What, you need to work out time Something,
2: Jesus, fucking Christ! With these guys, I come on the news for two seconds,
1: and, and you want to say every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't right, even Andrew, do a little thank fucking you very routine much. here. That you, you know could what? Go back. fuck
2: yourself. You know what? I'm All
0: right. Fuck the whole
2: fucking network.
0: We'll if go back to uh, talking about I'm Art Carney. Guy. And we'll be back in just a moment. Fill you in on the Art Carney situation.